I join with Nathan and the other brethren in welcoming you here this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. If you're here visiting with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We hope that you know that you are our honored guest. I also want to join with Nathan and, and specifically with Monty in his prayer uh, and say that we recognize today here upon this earth as Father's Day. And I want to say thank you uh, to the men here in the congregation. Not only to the fathers, uh, the grandfathers, the uncles, the brothers, the brothers in Christ, to all of you men. Uh, while it's Father's Day, I, I hope and, and I know, I understand that uh, most all of you men uh, recognize the influence that you have, uh, whether you have a child by blood or not. And I thank you for being that influence in the life not only of the children, but in the lives of the children of God. Uh, so today, uh, we honor you men. We honor you as fathers in the uh, capacity that you are to each one of us. This morning, I'm going to turn on the clicker. This morning, we're going to finish up a series of lessons that began a few months ago. Uh, talking about getting back to the basics, and uh, it's a recognition that the time uh, in this world is a time that, that seems fresh and new, uh, a time that we're coming off of a major uh, catastrophe, a major pandemic uh, in this country that has affected each one of us individually, and it has affected us as a congregation as there's been many changes. Uh, when we looked back at Acts, the second chapter, uh, we began in Acts, the second chapter, and we talked about how they truly went through uh, the greatest change in the history of the world, and that is the change from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. The change with, uh, which allowed all of us, Jews and Gentiles alike, to be sept accepted into the family of God. And we are going to conclude uh, this lesson this morning. We looked at the fact that there are certain things in life that never change. There are certain things that we can depend on. In James, the first chapter, in verse 17, the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And every perfect... One of these days, I will change that slide. And the good thing is, it's been that same way through every one of these lessons. So I'd encourage you, if you want to see how the, how the Bible actually reads, open your Bible up and don't go with that slide. Every good and perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we see that if there's anything we can depend on in this life, it is the fact that our Father above never changes. Our Father above never changes. In Hebrews the 13th, Chapter and verse 8, the Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. The one who was with the Father, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but to come to this world as a man, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And finally, in 1 Peter, the first chapter, beginning of verse 24, the Bible says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached 
unto you. Our Father above never changes. The Son who He sent, our Savior, never changes. And His will for man, His Word, never changes. But what about us? In Acts, the second chapter, we see the beginning of the church. We see the beginning of the body, the family to which we come together this morning. The Bible says in Acts, the second chapter, in verse 22, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You know, I entitled this series of lessons Back to the Basics. We talked about the Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship. We talked about the breaking of bread. The fellowship between each of us and the fellowship between us and our Father and our Savior. This morning, I want to talk about prayer. I can tell you, This will not be an exhaustive lesson on prayer. In fact, this morning won't be some kind of treatise or something new for you. I certainly hope there is nothing new for you this morning. But as this is a lesson on back to the basics, this morning I want to focus on the foundation of prayer. I want you to think about where we're at here in Acts the second chapter. In Acts the second chapter, you have thousands of Jews who have come together and the Apostle Peter has opened his mouth and the words of God has come out and many of those men recognized they had to do something. In fact, their one question was, what shall we do? Then Peter answered and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. At that moment, the church began. And at that moment, there was great change for these Jews. They now had the apostles' doctrine to follow. They now had the breaking of bread. And the Bible records that the other thing the church did in those first days was pray. I want you to think about prayer for a second. You know, the Apostles' Doctrine, that was a big change. That was a big change from the law. The breaking of bread that was instituted just before Jesus was taken to the cross. That was new. What about prayer? Prayer wasn't new at all. In fact, you can go back to the Psalms and you can read the prayers from long, long ago. Even before the Psalms were written, we see numerous times throughout the Bible where God's children went to Him in prayer. I want you to think about why Luke, as he's recording these acts of the apostles, 
as he's recording the Acts there on the day of Pentecost. What he called forth about those souls that would be saved, those souls that were called out, the things that they did as the basics. Why prayer? I want you to remember as we go through this lesson, as we finish this up, that it says they continued steadfastly. Remember that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Remember that they continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread. And remember also that they continued steadfastly. They were earnest towards. They persevered. They were constantly diligent. They attended to and they adhered closely to. Luke said that they held tight to the doctrine. That they held tight tight to the fellowship. That they held tight to the breaking of bread. And it says that they held tight to. That at their core, at their foundation, they held tight to prayer. Here's the basics of prayer that I want you to see this morning from the Scriptures. That prayer is a reaching out. That it is a reaching out and reaching through Jesus Christ. And it's a recognition that you are not alone. Let's talk about reaching out this morning in James the 4th chapter and verse 8. In James the 4th chapter, James writes, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, what James was saying was the recognition there of drawing near. What does it mean to draw near? It means to come close. It means to get closer to. And James said, you get closer to God. You get closer to God. I want you to notice how Paul puts it in Acts the 17th chapter. If you have a Bible there, I'd encourage you to turn to Acts the 17th chapter. If there's anything from today's lesson other than Romans 8, which is the reading, which I will tell you, we're not going to get to that to the last scripture this morning. But I encourage you to go home and study Romans the 8th chapter. I think it's wonderful words for what today is, for the circumstances we're in today, for the fact that it's Father's Day, for the fact that we have a wonderful Heavenly Father. Romans 8, I'd encourage you to go study. The other one I'd encourage you to go back and study is Acts the 17th chapter. In Acts the 17th chapter, there's a part there where Paul has come to Mars Hill and he's talking to the Athenians. It says that he sees an inscription there. He sees a writing there on one of the monuments or one of the memorials that says, To the unknown God. And Paul begins talking to the Athenians there at Mars Hill and he's talking to them saying, It is that God, the one that you've written the inscription for to the unknown God, it's that God I want to declare to you. I want to talk to you about that God for just a moment. And in talking to you about that God, I want you to understand that that's the God who created you. That's the God who made it all. That's the God who gave you life. And that's the God who gave me life. And that's a God who made of one blood. 
every nation, of every person that walks upon the earth. He created it all. And Paul says this in verse 27, that they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. I want you to notice when Paul is declaring the Father above, when he is showing them through his words who created them, what he says. He says, you want to know about that unknown God? It's that God that seeks after you. How? Because he gives us a desire to seek after him. Notice what he says. That haply they might feel after him and find him. I want you to picture what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that like as in the dark you begin to reach out not knowing what's going to be there. The greatest moment is if in that moment you find Him. You know, sometimes when we talk about reaching out, we think about a person who runs to another. You know, on the movies where two people who haven't seen each other in a long time and they turn and see each other and they begin to run. Wouldn't it be great if everyone in the world was like that when it comes to the Father above? Certainly would. But the Bible says your reaching out doesn't have to be like that. Paul said, if the only reaching you can do, if the only strength you can gather up, if the only faith you have is just enough to reach out in the dark, and find Him, then do it. Because I want you to notice what Paul says about God. Where is God this morning? You ever thought about that? Where is God this morning? I just saw it mouthed by one. He's right here. Do you believe that this morning? You know, sometimes we talk about how we need to look up to heaven. That's his home. There are many mansions there. That's where we want to spend eternal life. You know what Paul said? Paul said he's not far from every one of us. Paul said he's right here. Paul said all you got to reach out, all you got to do is reach out like a person in the dark because he's not far away. In fact, sometimes we like to think that we bring him into our presence 
when in fact we are always in his presence. And when we recognize that he's right here, when we recognize that all it takes to feel God is to know that the Father is right here with us. That's what prayer does. You see, prayer is much more than just an act of the lips. Prayer is much more than just a stirring of the heart. Prayer is much more than a long-distance phone call or a letter home from overseas. Prayer is a time to sit and be held by and being comforted by the Father that created us in speaking, in begging, and in pleading with Him. Hebrews 4, chapter and verse 15, Paul writes, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the help of need. How do you come boldly to the throne of grace? How do we obtain that mercy and that grace and that help in the time of need? Paul told the Jews there, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. Every time that you open your heart and open your mouth in prayer, it's a recognition of the one who sits on that throne that you can go to for mercy, for grace, and for help. I want you to notice there that Paul is speaking of the high priest that we have. He is speaking there of Jesus Christ. He is speaking there of the one who was perfect and yet can understand every infirmity, infirmity that we have. Every weakness. Every temptation. And I want you to notice that God in His way, in His infinite wisdom, made it such that when He sent His Son to die on the cross, that our prayers would not only be to the Father above reaching out, but those prayers would be through Jesus Christ the Son. In 1 Timothy, the second chapter, Paul writing to Timothy, beginning at verse 5, says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I want you to notice what Paul said to Timothy. Paul said to Timothy what Jesus Christ had already told the apostles, what he had already told his disciples. There's only one way to get to the Father. And that's through the Son. You know what Jesus said was, 
that there is in fact only one way. That nobody's going to go around the sun. That there was a reason that it was through Jesus' name that man should be saved. That it was that son who freely gave his life on the cross and it is through him that we can get through the Father. There is one God, there is one Father, and there is one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. I want you to notice what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. He said in Matthew the 7th chapter and verse 7, Ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I want, you to say, I want to show you that Jesus said something very controversial here. He's speaking those to those who are used to their prayers going directly to God. And he says, guess what? Ask. And it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now I want you to notice what he says in John the 16th chapter. In John 16 and verse 23, Jesus says, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. You know what Jesus said? He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. What exceptions did he leave there? What exceptions did the Lord leave when he's giving his sermon on the mount to all of those who are listening and by the recording of his word to you and I this morning? He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened Unto you. You ever thought about that? I want you to think about those verses this morning. I want you to think about what Jesus told his disciples. Anything you ask in my name of the Father, it will be given you. Do you believe that this morning? It's a little hard to have faith in sometimes, isn't it? So let's be honest with one another, shall we? We look at those words and we go, whoa, that gets scary, right? You see, I've sat in a hospital room and asked the Lord that someone not pass and they died. You see, I've sat with a child, I've been a child who begged that the home didn't get split like it did, and it still split. But Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. In James 4th chapter, 
in looking at this, James said, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lusts. What does it mean to ask amiss? That word actually means to be sick, to be diseased, to be infected. Um, Before we move on, I want you to look at 1 John, the 5th chapter. 1 John, chapter 5, it says, and this is the confidence in verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. You receive not because you ask amiss that what you ask of you might use for your own lust. What do we pray for? What does John say about our prayers? John says that if we believe in the Father above, then when we go to Him in prayer, we know He hears us. And if we know He hears us, then we know our petitions have been lifted up to the one who can do something about it. What does that mean? I want you to know this. That in all things, the will of God will be done. You see, it's God who chooses the time and the season for everything. It's God who chooses the beginning to the end. His will will be done. But here's the great thing about God. God, even being all-powerful, even being all-knowing, even being always present, hears His children. You ever stopped and thought about what you pray for? I know there are a lot of sports fans in here, so I'm going to say something real controversial. God doesn't care about that scoreboard. Just, I just want you to know. Uh, a brother that's here in the room, I'm not going to call out Monty Paul, but um, a brother that's here in the room and I like to talk about sports because he loves sports. I like sports. He loves sports. I know it's hard to believe. It's hard to uh, talk to a coach. I don't have any coaches in the room this morning, do I? 
It's hard to talk to a coach and let him know you can pray for the win, and I guarantee the other side's going to pray for the win. Guess what? So it's okay to pray about that. The Bible says God will hear you because you're a brother and sister, but I'm going to tell you what, that's not a prayer he's listening to that he's going to affect the end of. You see, the only scoreboard at the end of the day is the one when Christ divides the sheep from the goats and he calls the servants home. You know, a lot of times our prayers are based on my will. It's based on my desires. It's based on my wants. But what the Bible says is what we need to recognize is there are There's a Father above who gave us life. Who gave us love. Who's going to provide every need. And will hear every petition in those needs. And through that, He makes sure you know that you are not alone. You know, I said in the beginning that if you're going to study something, one of the ones I want you to study is Romans chapter 8. Uh, the reading that Dusty did, I thank him for that. And the reading that he started there was in verse 18. And verse 18 is very important because Paul says something about life here. Paul, having been through it all, Paul, having felt all of the pain, Paul, having been through very traumatic instances, Paul said, you know, the glory that's coming, the glory that we call eternal life, the glory that's given only through the Father and the Son is so great. It's not really even worth talking about in the same breath as the pain we're going through. It's not even a good comparison to say that the affliction that I, Paul, have faced, it's not even worth saying that the problems that I've had in life can even be compared to the glory that's coming. And I want you to notice what he says there to the Romans, starting in Romans the 8th chapter and verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You know what Paul did? Paul brought it all the way around here. Because he not only said that we have petition with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, but guess what we have too? We have the Comforter. We have the Holy Spirit. That every day, when we feel that stirring, when we open our hearts, when we open our minds, when we pray and we plead with God, 
Sometimes those words just don't come out right. Sometimes we're not even real sure what to say. But here's the great thing. That it's in that moment that we not only have an ear in the Father through the Son, but we have the Spirit who makes intercession for us. And here's what we know in those times. When there's groaning, when there's strong desire, when there's pain, when we're just not real sure what to say. We know this. We know the Spirit makes intercession with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And better yet, we know that all things work together for them that love the Lord. If we want to know about the foundations, about how the church grew starting on that day of Pentecost, then what we have to do, just as they did, is to remain steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, to cling to His Word, to always remember the sacrifice of the Son in the breaking of the bread, and to stay constant and steadfast in prayer. If you're not a child of God this morning, you can open that relationship with the Father today. If you're not a child of God this morning, we're prepared to assist you in your obedience to the Father's will in baptism.